When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Solejo, and you're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast from the San Francisco Chronicle. It's been a while, right? We're back for a third season with more conversations about spooky haunted burgers, TikTok mushroom foraging, and the big unionization boom in the food world. If you're waiting to hear from my former co-host, Justin Phillips, I'm sorry to say that he's not going to be with us. He is happily ensconced in newspaper columnist land, so <laughs> I don't think he's going to be uh, here to unleash hate on spaghetti as he used to. We'll miss him. We love him very much. He's he's in a happy place now. If you do want to check out his columns, you can go to sfchronicle.com and just look for him. He's still doing great work. But let's get back to Extra Spicy. It is so surreal to think that this show launched two years ago. What? During the height of the pandemic and before the 2020 elections. Over the past two years, we've spoken to everyone from Padma Lakshmi to Roman Mars to Antony Porosky and explored the tipping debate, worker-owned restaurants, and how more rappers are going vegan. Now we're talking about COVID becoming endemic. Yay. And it's almost midterms. Yay. And yeah, I don't know. It feels like we're just lurching zombie-like from one bad thing to another. But that is a conversation for my therapist and not for you. What I will say is collectively, I think we are all experiencing some kind of transformation. People are leaving their jobs if they can, and they're becoming more vocal about, you know, what they won't tolerate anymore as far as unfair systems, hierarchies, unethical practices at work. We're having more conversations about equity sustainability, and the importance of just keeping up with your mental health. So these are all topics that we're going to dive into this season through, of course, the lens of food. What if we put food in the middle? And we see that actually food, more than anything, has a connection with absolutely everything. So that's the voice of my guest today. You guessed it. World-renowned chef Jose Andres. Andres has racked up countless prestigious awards for his work as both a chef and a humanitarian, including a nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize. You might have seen him on late night talk shows. Please welcome back to The Late Show, my friend and yours, Chef Jose Andres. Or more recently, you might have seen his videos on social media, posted from the Ukrainian border as his food relief organization, World Central Kitchen, provides meals to refugees fleeing the Russian invasion. We are in different places across the border. Poland. We are already feeding in Romania. It's a lot of roads that leave Ukraine. World Central Kitchen was founded in 2012 by the chef and his foundation, and it just seems like whenever something is going wrong, they show up right after to help feed people in need. They've since become one of the most visible food aid NGOs in the world. All of this stems from the chef's firm belief that food is everything, that it is the connective tissue that affirms our humanity in good times and bad. So naturally, me being me, I asked him if he believed that cooking for Trump administration officials would be a win for empathy. No spoilers, though. You'll have to keep listening to find out how he answered. And just a quick note, this interview happened a few weeks ago before Russia invaded Ukraine. So Jose was talking with me from his home in D.C. So on that note, here's my conversation with Chef Jose Andres. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. 
thank you for giving me the opportunity to be with you today. That's great. So I wanted to start from the foundation. A decade ago, you taught a course at George Washington University, this is kind of an oldie, about food as a building block of civilization, based on the idea that food is the thread that runs through so many things in society. Do you still find that true today? I think today more than ever. Uh, I go through the process of asking myself the same questions of the things that I may be teaching, but that I don't want to keep sharing knowledge without keep asking myself, is what we are teaching really the right story to be telling? And that's why, for me, this class at George Washington uh, was what uh, I wanted to achieve, is what if we put food in the middle? And we see that actually food, more than anything, has a connection with absolutely everything humanity is in the world. We need to, the basic fundamental to understand that the first gift we receive in the form of a tangible is our mother's milk. And if it's not our mother's milk, it's somebody feeding us. The first gift we receive, we are unconscious, but we feel it. The smell of our mother, of our grandmother, of our dad, in the form of food, forever makes every human totally attached to food, and obviously that's why we all have so much love for our mother's cooking or grandmother's cooking, because fundamentally they were the first ones that fed us in the first place, obviously beyond giving us life. So from there, this attachment we have is so rooted that then becomes everything else. Food is history, food is pop culture, food is science, food is hunger, food is, is, is health, obviously uh, obesity or, or, or malnourishment, food is national security, F food is uh, fl uh, fighting against climate change and the environment. At the end of the day, food is the most important issue in the world. And I have a feeling we take it for granted. Mm. So why do we take it for granted? How do you see that manifesting in not only daily life, but just systemically, just throughout human society? Well, food obviously is different parts of the world. It's people that don't take it for granted. But I do believe in America, in Europe, in the richer countries, we don't totally take it for granted. Uh, uh, in the very simple thing, like in the old days, you will stop in the gas station to fill up the tank of your car. Remember me helping my dad. And I don't remember going uh, to pay for the gas. And I, I could have access to 200 different types of bars full of calories right there. So now the gas station is not only the place you go put food in your car, but, but you can fill your stomach with anything uh, you want. That what happens is when drama happens, there's no storm comes, uh, the pandemic hits, all of a sudden, what we took for granted, we see that is not there. We need to start having a deeper conversation on, is sometimes people that they are against global or the contrary, they are in favor of local. We need to start having a conversation with being in favor of something doesn't mean you are against something because we are always gonna be needing balance because balance is key to the next 20, 30 years that we will become eight, nine billion people to have everybody fed. And I don't wanna play God to say, we can only do it locally or we can, or we can only do it with big corporations globally. What if we have a conversation of saying for some things and certain things, we're going to have to do better at the local level with the smaller farmers. 
for other things, we may have to do it better with the bigger companies and more at global level. But what has to be clear is that what we cannot allow anybody to be somehow overpowering everybody else, because if not, this one, we really will have a problem. The issue right now is that we take it for granted because when things go well, it's more food than food we can eat, at least in the places you and I live. But then this is the problem, that one day what we take for granted will not be there anymore. And then maybe the solutions will be too late. The future of the nations will depend on how they fit themselves. Briyat Sabaran said in 1926, we need to make sure that our nations, our leaders, take food more seriously than the way they are taking food serious right now. I want to kind of backtrack into, you know, the food as a building block and just what you said as far as food being everything. What do you see? Because when you think about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, like food and shelter are at the beginning of that. Like that enables everything else for a human. In your work through World Central Kitchen and just around the world, what have you seen enabled by just the simple act of feeding people? Like why is that so important for just the functioning of a society? my work on on realize the power of food to help communities uh, beyond what I did as a young cook in the restaurants I work or in the restaurants I, I now own uh, for the last 32, 33, 34 years of my career. Um, when I arrived in Washington in 1993, I began working with uh, SOS, Share Our Strength organization. One of the things I was very happy was that uh, I joined uh, something called frontline classes. And this fundamentally was chefs like me, young cooks like me, going into different neighborhoods and grab a group of mothers or fathers, um, bring some ingredients on one of the categories of the food pyramid and show them how to maximize what they could do with those ingredients in a fast, healthy, tasty way. Uh, but mainly a lot was about the economics, uh, how to, to show that if you buy a whole chicken, you could make the chicken last longer than if you buy chicken breast. And from there, I joined Robert Egger at DC Central Kitchen, where I began cooking to next ex-convicts and homeless. And there I saw the power of food, food being wasted that was brought to that kitchen to produce meals to feed the hungry in Washington, D.C., but the most important is that we were wasting no people because World Central, this is Central Kitchen gave them a home to learn a profession, to be the leaders of maximizing that food production. And in the process, the same homeless were the ones leading the food production to feed people in need in the streets of Washington, D.C. Right there, I saw, as Robert Egger said, that seems that philanthropy and charity is always about the redemption of the giver when philanthropy must be about the liberation of the receiver. That's the things I saw. People that really are not there used to say, look at what I'm doing. It's good to be proud that you're doing something to help others, but we must be smarter to make sure that our efforts, well, the time we put in, the empathy, the heart, the brain, the knowledge we have, or the money we send to those NGOs is not only because we feel good or we do something like this perceived as good, but that our effort really goes in liberating those people that really are the people that need it the most. So what I've seen, obviously, through the work of World Central Kitchen is that there is a 
whole bunch of empathy. There is people that really want to be there for others that may have less than them. Believe me, not everybody that goes to volunteer is like people that are wealthy or doing well or that they don't have their own troubles. Very often you see people that lost absolutely everything that in a very amazing way are the ones that forget that they lost much of what they own intangibles and put themselves, once their loved ones are safe, at the mission of bringing relief to others that may be emotionally more impacted or whatever. And this is what I've seen in the places we've been around the world, from India to Colombia, Venezuela, we deliver food to Tonga. We are only doing this because there are locals that give their heart the know-how uh, to bring relief to others. So this is what I've seen, that empathy wins, that people don't care about if you are right-wing or left-wing. They only care that you are people of empathy and that you put aside differences used to bring well. Uh, well-being to others. You're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. You can support this podcast and the newsroom that creates it by subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Solejo, and we're back with Jose Andres. I think globally there's a history of organizations, I guess you could call them NGOs, but especially in the era of colonization, right, and the age of exploration where food and shelter and clothing were sort of used as tools by, let's say, missionaries or kind of colonizing forces. You see this in Mexico in its history, right, to like manipulate people, to manipulate like indigenous people, you know, and I think like there were a lot of conditions, right? You had to profess your love of Jesus Christ to get a meal. And you see that in a lot of outreach to unhoused people as well. So how do you avoid those pitfalls, which are so kind of ingrained in that sort of tradition of kind of global charity work. How do you get around that? How do you how do you avoid the sort of like the blueprint of that sort of action? Uh, obviously, the, what you are asking here, it requires even more than a, a great podcast like yours. <laughs> um, I sincerely uh, believe that obviously, number one, the issue is highly complex, right? Because this, uh, this story happens right now. Um, we see in social media, we see TV stations, we see people um, call it marketing, call it PR. We use everybody luring everybody else into something. Obviously, you could argue that certain of those of those things are done with the best intentions. I want you to to have my product because I believe it's a good product and it's better than the other product. And I want you to, to be part of my family, buying my product. In the many things we see right now in the way we, we don't even think like our brain had any influence, but that somehow we behave uh, 
in different ways and probably were even unconscious. The things we like, the things we buy, the things we go to, the things we shop, uh, the channels, the TV channels we buy. So now let's go back to what you described. Obviously, you, you mentioned Christianism. I mean, we, we could argue it's the same with every religion or non-religion of trying the mentality of, I believe that what I believe is the good thing for you. But then we know that history has proven that that was uh, ill-conceived. Uh, one thing is when you are trying to tell somebody, this is the way I think, and if you want, join my thinking, versus I'm going to impose on you the way I think. So I think uh, it uh, used to be asking ourselves that. You know, how do we become free from shaping our own thoughts versus uh, being enslaved by everything that is imposed on us. Uh, I think at the end, it's up to every one of us to try to be free from choosing and the people surrounding us free from choosing to who they are. Uh, I think food is that one very fascinating way to be free. Take a look with paella. Uh, I've been promoting uh, making paella in your backyard. And maybe I didn't do well enough job trying to share with America and the world what is the proper paella. But very often <laughs> you will see on social media terrible paellas. No? Terrible paellas yes. that they don't mention more than I try to be polite and I say good job or good try. <laughs> because uh, I don't believe I am the guy that should be going and be trashing. Obviously, if it's gatekeeper, if, if yeah. it's Jamie Oliver or Gordon Ramsay, I'm sure I'm gonna go hard on them because they know, they should know better. But still, they should be afraid to do whatever they want, nonetheless. But careful because today, when I say to somebody, "Good try" or "Good job," I got people in Spain that they don't go after the person that did the so-so paella. They go after me for <laughs> not being hard on them, and and you see the sequence never ends, right? And at the end, I keep saying, if you really are so upset about the way some people are treating your national dish, stop bitching about the ones doing a bad job and put that same energy in sharing with everybody how it should be done in the right way. And this is the eternal yin and yang, right? It's like, just make sure that if it's something you dislike in the world, just be that force of good that will change it in the way you believe is the way. But do it with empathy, with respect, with love. And we all have that opportunity to change the things we don't like in the world. So how do we do that? How do we recognize and make the most of opportunities to make change? It's like life doesn't come with instructions, but just comes with experiences. Well, you're on the ones that you've seen on others. We all need to be building on our own conscience and understanding that people may think different than you, but that not necessarily makes them your enemy or they made them be against you if they're people of good. We need to find these longer tables that we can be enriched by the thoughts of others in the same way we hope to enrich uh, the lives of others with our know-how, but always with the right rules of engagement, with respect, without trashing anybody else. Longer tables, not higher walls, food in very powerful ways is the best way we have to be sharing this long table with people that think different than us, that we can be sharing a meal and just be us and telling them, I'm, I'm loved because I'm sharing this plate of food with you. If you do the same with me, maybe that's the beginning of a conversation that people that think different 
one day we can dream that we can live with each other without killing each other. That's the hope I have uh, for, for the future generations. Thank you for that thoughtful answer. I want to, <laughs> I'm tempted after listening to you speak to ask this question, which is a little bit spicy. I want to know, do you sincerely think that if you fed, let's say, members of the Trump administration, that you would be able to come to an accord with them? You'd be able to reach some mutual understanding? Um, because I know you are terminally online and I have seen you, you know, write pretty publicly about all of that stuff. Do you think there is there is hope there? Do you think there would be a, a place for empathy in that relationship? Because I know you've had a very tumultuous relationship. Well, uh, listen, uh, I only know that through this pandemic, only in the last two years, uh, I've been living in what will be called red and blue states. I know I've been helping and feeding people that they are Republicans or Democrats. I know I've been feeding people that they are undocumented of different nationalities from different parts of the world. At the end of the day, this is why every one of us must work. Uh, and I don't mean I'm perfect, all the contrary, but I've been restraining myself so much more on social media in trying to speak my mind just for the sake of speaking my mind and trying to find more middle ground. That, that doesn't mean that when something is not right, we should not quickly speak up because in a in a way, makes us, by being silent, makes us responsible of the bad things maybe happening in the world. I, I have friends that are Republican and, uh, as well as friends that are Democrats. Uh, and we see right now a, a discourse, a public discourse that seems is never about how we're going to build a better America, how we're going to give hope to mothers that they are single and they barely can make it uh, with two jobs, taking care of their children, education, or food, or kindergarten, or healthcare. How are we going to uh, make sure that we have a, a school system that takes care of our children, not only with good education, but feeding them right, right at the schools they go every single day? At the end, this is the type of conversations I think we all should be having. Why in this pandemic we had every single person that could afford it to stay home? in the safety of their home, waiting for this COVID go away. But who didn't have that privilege is being in the farms of America, making sure that everybody will have a plate of vegetables on their table, a plate of chicken on their table, that you didn't even have to go to the supermarket because somebody will pick it up at the supermarket and deliver to your doorsteps. Many of those men and women that provide not only food, but many other things to America and many parts of the world were undocumented. So how is this possible that those men that don't, are not even given the opportunity to, to have the right to belong to America, I'm not even talking about citizenship or green card, use, use the rightfulness of being part of the system, not like ghost of the system. So how do you have these conversations with people? I believe that people that believe in hate, in breaking us apart, in in, in, in bringing the worst demons of out of us. They only can be fought with logic, with pragmatism, with empathy, with love. And what happens is much more difficult. I can go and trash everybody else that I think they're doing bad. And I can trash every single day. But fundamentally, well, I'm not against anybody. Because again, we all have plenty of friends that they don't think totally with everything uh, we think. And we get along. 
that's what we need all to be working to go back to a moment where you may think different about a lot of issues from immigration to 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 whatever else you think is important but fundamentally bringing a good healthy uh, uh, conversation uh, where you respect each other in this longer table where food will be served I do believe is the only way forward. If not, if not, we end in a total clash of previous uh, moments in our history that is never a good place to be. So I'm gonna do my best, like everybody I know listening to us is, in trying to always give my hand to others of telling them, sit with me, let's have this conversation and let's see that I'm not your enemy, um, but please don't. Don't, don't make me your enemy before you really know me. And that's why we need to go for leaders that want to build longer tables. That's a matter of what political party may be. And there are good people out there uh, putting aside politics all across America, all across the world. We need to make sure that we lift up the ones that really believe that we the people is the only way forward. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much uh, for having me. It's great you have this podcast. And uh, I hope uh, very soon one day you'll invite me again. Thanks again to Chef Jose Andres for chatting today. Today's episode was produced and edited by Taya Francesca Price with help from executive producer Sarah Feldberg. If you're enjoying Extra Spicy, please tell a friend about it and give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. 